0: SECTION ONE OF AMERICAN SCENERY, VOLUME TWO. THIS IS A LIBRIVOX RECORDING. ALL LIBRIVOX RECORDINGS ARE IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN. FOR MORE INFORMATION, OR TO VOLUNTEER, PLEASE VISIT LIBRIVOX.ORG. THIS RECORDING IS BY MICHAEL PIOTROSCH. AMERICAN SCENERY, VOLUME TWO BY NATHANIEL PARKER WILLIS. SECTION ONE. THE CATTERSKILL FALLS FROM ABOVE THE RAVINE. From the precipice once our first view of this fall is taken, the descent is steep and slippery to the very brink of the torrent which is necessary to cross on the wild blocks which lie scattered in its rocky bed. From thence, literally buried in forest foliage, the tourist will enjoy a very different but perhaps more striking and picturesque view than the other the stream at a vast height above him is seen leaping from ledge to ledge sometimes lost sometimes sparkling in sunshine till it courses impetuously beneath the rock on which he is seated and is lost in the deep unbroken obscurity of the forest the rocky ledges above worn by time have the appearance of deep caverns and beautifully relieve the fall of the light and silvery stream in the winter the vast icicles which are suspended from the ledges of rock and shine like pillars against the deep obscurity of the caverns behind afford a most romantic spectacle one which has afforded a subject to bryant for one of the most imaginative of his poems the caterskill falls midst greens and shades the Catterskill leaps from cliffs where the woodflower clings all summer he moistens his verdant steeps with the sweet-light spray of the mountain springs and he shakes the woods on the mountain side when they drip with the rains of autumn-tide but when in the forest deep and old the blast of december calls he builds in the starlight clear and cold a palace of ice where his torrent falls with turret and arch and fretwork fair and pillars blue as the summer air for whom are those glorious chambers wrought in the cold and cloudless night is there neither spirit nor motion of thought in forms so lovely and hues so bright hear what the gray-haired woodmen tell of this wild stream and its rocky dell twas hither a youth of dreamy mood a hundred winters ago had wandered over the mighty wood where the panther's track was fresh on the snow and keen were the winds that came to stir the long, dark boughs of the hemlock fir. Too gentle of mien he seemed, and fair, For a child of those rugged steeps, His home lay low in the valley where The kingly Hudson rolls to the deeps. But he wore the hunter's frock that day, And a slender gun on his shoulder lay. And here he paused, and against the trunk Of a tall grey linden leaned. When the broad clear orb of the sun had sunk from his path in the frosty firmament, and over the round dark edge of the hill a cold green light was quivering still, and the crescent moon high over the green from a sky of crimson shone on that icy palace whose towers were seen to sparkle as if with stars of their own, while the winter fell with a hollow sound twixt the glistening pillars ranged around. Is that a being of life that moves where the crystal battlements rise? A maiden watching the moon she loves at the twilight hour with pensive eyes? Was that a garment which seemed to gleam betwixt the eye and the falling stream? Tis only the torrent tumbling o'er in the midst of those glassy walls, Gushing and plunging and beating the floor of the rocky basin in which it falls. Tis only the torrent, but why that start? why gazes the youth with a throbbing heart he thinks no more of his home afar where his sire and sister wait he heeds no longer how star after star looks forth on the night as the hour grows late he heeds not the snow-wreath lifted and cast from a thousand boughs by that rising blast his thoughts are alone of those who dwell in the halls of frost and snow who pass where the crystal domes upswell from the alabaster floors below where the frost trees burgeon with leaf and spray and frost gems scatter a silvery day and oh that those glorious haunts were mine he speaks and throughout the glen their shadows swim in the faint moonshine and take a ghastly likeness of men as if the slain by the wintry storms came forth to the air in their earthly forms there pass the chasers of seal and whale with their weapons quaint and grim and bands of warriors in glimmering mail and herdsmen and hunters huge of limb there are naked arms with bow and spear and furry gauntlets the carbine rear there are mothers and oh how sadly their eyes on their children's white brows rest there are youthful lovers the maiden lies in a seeming sleep on the chosen breast there are fair wan women with moonstruck air the snow stars flecking their long loose hair they eye him not as they pass along but his hair stands up with dread when he feels that, he moves with that phantom throng till those icy turrets are over his head, and the torrent's roar as they enter seems like a drowsy murmur heard in dreams. The glittering threshold is scarcely passed when there gathers and wraps him round a thick white twilight, sullen and vast, in which there is neither form nor sound. The phantoms, the glory vanish all with the dying voice of the waterfall slow passes the darkness of that trance and the youth now faintly sees huge shadows and gushes of light that dance on a rugged ceiling of unhewn trees and walls where the skins of beasts are hung and rifles glitter on antlers strung on a couch of shaggy skins he lies as he strives to raise his head hard-featured woodmen with kindly eyes come round him and smooth his furry bed and bid him rest, for the evening star is scarcely set, and the day is four. They had found at eve the dreaming one by the base of that icy steep, when over his stiffening limbs begun the deadly slumber of frost to creep, and they cherished the pale and breathless form till the stagnant blood ran free and warm. Bryant. End of section one.